Okay, here we go. And remember last week I talked about the last hour. And how that we are here in Jesus' first coming. He's already come, right? We've established that. We know that to be true. And if you hold that not to be true, I'm going to burst your bubble this morning because the guy that wrote this book, a father of the face, actually touched him. Actually beheld eternal life through Jesus Christ. Not only did they behold Him before His death, they beheld Him after His death. So the one writing this is saying some truth to us. So He has come, He's come in flesh, and the glorious Gospel is that He lived a sinless life, He died a sinner's death for you and I, He went to the grave, and then He rose again, and He actually took the sting of death away. And so I got these two lines here and I talked about how John says in the last hours many the Antichrist will come and and already the Antichrist has appeared and and we see and I explained that last week a little bit that this last hour has been going on for a long time, hasn't it? So much so it was written 1900 plus years ago when John said the last hour. And I explained it last week what I believe to be in the Scripture is it's not just one person, although we know that there will be an ultimate rebellion at the end time, but there is, many, there is a spirit right now that wants to deny who Jesus is. And not only does he want to, the spirit wants to deny who Jesus is, he wants to oppose those that hold tight to his name. Those who have put their trust in Him and He wants to come against that and He wants to begin to shake your faith. And that's why John has written this book even to wherever you are at in the faith. John wrote this book to say, hey, chill out. Your eternity is for sure. Those who are trying to shake you and bake you and do all those things and make you, just don't pay attention because Jesus is speaking loud and clear to us. So this last hour, we have been in this period of waiting. If I, my hands don't shake too much. Is this, so this is the first coming. And again, He will come again. So His second coming. And you see this whole time period right here is the last hour. And remember what I said last week is that to God a thousand years is as one day. And God is not confined by time. And I won't get into that, but humans are. And how are we confined by time? Because of this right here. You are this little dot in this space of eternity. And really, this dot does not, does, does not justify it because this dot is too big. But yet, in the midst of that little dot, there is a great destiny and a great purpose. So as we are in the last hour and we are enjoying the last hour, there will be a time that comes that we will be shaken, but John just says, hold on. And so as we go to the Scripture this morning, 1 John chapter 2, verses 28-29, And a lot of times I have um, points and I don't have that this morning, but there are a couple things that even before we begin that I want to point out to you in the Scripture is that it appears four times, five times, the word appear, appears and appeared. And so there is a time that John is talking about that Jesus will appear 
And He's already appeared. So that's one aspect that we're going to look at this morning. But then we're also going to look at the title of We Are Children of God. And I'm telling you, I said it was just a title, or it was a title, but it is not a title. It's actually who you are. And we're going to look at that this morning and the vastness of it and the supernatural power that comes with being a child of God. And then we're going to look at um, we are not to sin and those who continue in sin are really not of God, but they are the devil. And I know that's probably not very popular, but it's the word. And so we're going to look at that this morning. And we do not shy back from the truth of the word. We are people of grace. We are people that love you wherever you're at, but we don't shy away from the Word of God because really that is, that is God's love to His people. And I want to assure you this morning that, that none of us are perfect. That we all fall short of the mark of God's ultimate glory. So we're all in good company. And so let's read. Now, the, now little children... Abide in Him so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from Him in shame at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of Him. So let's just stop here a moment and I want to talk about the aspect of knowing Jesus. And there's not much more than to know Jesus the Messiah. There's not much more to life that is more enjoyment of actually having a relationship with Him. Abiding in Him and knowing Him. Could you imagine a husband is married to a wife and the husband comes home and he has no relationship with his wife through conversation. The wife goes to her corner. The husband goes to his corner. And the countdown comes and the boxing gloves come on. And maybe it's better they stay in their corners. It's a side note. Can you imagine a relationship like that? So often I think that we treat Christ like that. We put Him in the corner of, of the, the ring and just say, Lord, You are there. I am here. I am going to live my life like I want to live it. And I will just know that my salvation is secure because I have said Your name, Jesus. And then we forget about the aspect that every relationship has to be cultivated. And you know, I shared last week that one of Satan's Main goals is to isolate us from God and from one another. And it's the same as the marriage really uh, gives us a great illustration of what the church is like. And, and that's why I think Paul says it oftentimes in the Word as he, he likens the marriage to the bride of Christ and the groom. But you see, if we abide in Christ... When He appears, because He is surely going to appear. And we just don't know when He is coming. 
We've seen it in history of men who've said, this is the date, this is the time, Christ is coming, get your house in order. And the truth is, is you've always needed to get your house in order. There's not a time not to. Because you see that line that I put in there is a second coming. It is a reality and we must be ready for it even now. But I want to share this with you. If, if I could just do something, if I could just impart something to you would be know Him. That's it. Because if you know Him and He appears, you are not going to shrink back in shame. But Jesus told us That there will be a day that's coming when He returns and there will be people that run for the caves, run for the hills because their shame will be made known to them. But church, Christians, let that not be so among us. Let us know Jesus. How do we know Jesus? We spend time in His Word, abiding in Him through prayer and fellowship and worshiping together. And listen to this, if, if you know that Jesus is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices his righteousness is born of Him. You see, this is the evidence and the mark of a true child of God. Is when his life is lived out in righteousness. And I tell you what, his life lived out in righteousness is not the cause of his salvation, it's the evidence of his salvation. Because we know our works is as filthy rags before the Father. Our righteousness is in Jesus alone. It's not in what we do. Even what we say, who we are. It's in Christ alone. So let's go on to the Scriptures. um, Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. I'll read those real quickly. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. That we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. And we know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself just as he is pure. And I like the NIV. If you have the NIV, in this version, in this verse, it says, the Father has lavished His love on us. And that is the true rendering of the Scripture. And and they get it right in the NIV. Is that our Father has lavished on us something that is so awesome and that we can't fathom it. Is that we are children of God and there's a supernatural power that goes with that. And so that when we see Him in His second coming, we will not shrink back in shame. And I can't help but think of this and get a little bit emotional because He's so good. And none of us deserve it. None of us deserve it. And we don't even know what we are going to be. But I know this, that I am going to exchange this corruptible body for an incorruptible body. And when I see Jesus face to face, I will be like Him. 
Glory. Glory. But you know right now, and we'll discover this later in John, is that the glory of God is already shining through you. If we would tap into that, if we would know that, if we'd realize that, oh, what freedom we would have. We will be just like Him. And everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as He is pure. You see, I live a disciplined life not because I'm a disciplined person, although I am a disciplined person. I live my life is because I'm living it for my Master, Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Father. And I shared this last week, the, whole, the world cannot call God Father. It is impossible. They can say it, but they don't know it. But we've all been created in His image. But there's something that God has done for us. And He's lavished on us His love through Jesus Christ. And I always share this with my kids and I'll share it with you. I want you kids to know that you have an imperfect dad. But I want you to know that there is a better dad. There's a better father than I am and he lavishes his love on you. And I'm going to try my best to lavish my love on you like he does. And so often I miss the mark, but you know, you forget. I hope they forget. Let's go on Scripture Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. You know that He appeared in order to take away sins and in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him sins. No one who sins has seen Him or knows Him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. And I think we need to look at these Scriptures a little bit closer because this can throw us off. Because some of you, right before you walked into this door, you sinned. And so when you look at this, you might question and your confidence might be shaken. Am I really a child of God because, man, my thoughts are, are evil and, and far away from God or, or I, I was fighting with my spouse or I was disobedient to my parent or I did something that was contrary to what I know is right. And so how do I know that I'm a child of God? And I want you to know that John is talking about Sin. And the definition, as we saw in Romans 3.23, we all fall short of the glory of God. That is sin. We miss the mark. But the word that he is using here is more than just missing the mark. It's not just about falling into your sinfulness and your sinful nature. It is about open rebellion to the Word and truth of God. Now you might say, well, my little sin is rebellion to God. And yes, I get that. You missed the mark. But see, if we don't use Scripture with Scripture, we've lost the meaning. And if it was not so what I'm saying to you, then, then that would mean 1 John chapter 1. And you don't have to go there because we know these Scriptures. It's memorized with almost all of us know these, but I'll say them 
for your hearing. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then it says in verse 10 of chapter 1, if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. And so none of us here this morning can say I'm without sin, but yet John is saying if you have sin, you are not of Him. But what John is saying, again I'll repeat it, is open rebellion to God and His known will. And if that doesn't make sense to you, We'll unpack it with further scripture. But I was talking with somebody this week, and, and it, it just it, it it was a revelation to me. We were talking about sinners and sin in the church. And how would I embrace two different scenarios? One scenario is a Christian that is supposedly an open Christian, he's been confronted with a sin, and he continues to go on in his path, but he knows that to be the wrong path. And then the brother who falls down. In a momentary lapse of of his failure and walking in the flesh, he falls down, but he gets right back up. And I see these two, and I see one is open rebellion, and one that is going to go his own way. And Paul talks about such a believer that he needs to just go and be given over to Satan. And it's not just to give him over to Satan, but it's that he might return back to the Lord. It's not about hate, it's, it's about love. But then you have this brother that falls down, but he gets back up. And, and I was thinking about this, and it's like, I go as a pastor, or even as a, as a child of God, forget the pastorship, I am a child of God. I go and I wrap my arms around this brother, and I say, hey man, it's okay. I believe in you. Get back up. We're going to do this together. And then I do it to the other guy and I say, come on brother, let's go, we can do this. Look, if you continue this way, your path is going to be destruction. And then he walks on and I have to let him go. That's what John is talking about here. He's not talking about the one that fells and falls. He's talking about the one that walks in open rebellion. And we can see it here in Scripture, verse 8. The one who practices sin is of the devil. Man, that's harsh. Why do you got to be so harsh, John? But when you hear this word, I want you to imagine what John is like. An 80 to 100 year old man who's a father figure saying this. And I know I can't do that for you this morning, but that's John. The lover of Jesus. And for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. And so, look, the two words have appeared in these last couple of Scriptures. He appeared to take away the sins of the world. And He appeared to destroy the works of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. And then he goes on to say this, No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. And I can almost hear it said, You were able to walk in darkness until now. And again, 
He who practices sin is somebody who is walking in a habit of sin and continually doing it. And I want to go back to my drawing because I'm such a good drawer and I want to show that off to you this day. And I've been told that I, I draw the greatest stick figures. Amen. My daughter has all our artistic skills and so she's, I imparted those to her. Let's just say that. So we have this thing. Let's just call this arrow an advancement of the kingdom of God. And you see what happens, and what happens way too often is we have a fortress that is beginning to be built. And this fortress, I would like to say, are the gates of hell. We don't always understand why there is such opposition to the kingdom and to the purposes of God, but there is. And so, although Jesus has come in flesh and has won the victory for us, Satan is at work in... in, See, isn't this beautiful? Thank you. Thank you. That's what I thought. We have this fortress and this being built and, and so often we forget and these bricks are built up of sin. Insult, offenses, mistrust. Somebody has done a wrong to us and Satan just begins to really build up his kingdom and he begins to discourage us and where the, king, the gates of hell seem so big and he's building them up. And I just want you to know that Jesus appeared to destroy this work that Satan is doing. The victory is sure. Can I say that enough? And we should be shouting it from the rooftops. We should be going to the mountaintops saying, this victory is won. I know it looks bad, but this victory is won. And so I was thinking about this this week. And these are the gates of hell. But I want you to know, the Scripture says, and Jesus said it to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There have been enemies of the gospel since the beginning of time. But I want you to know that our war is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities. Spiritual forces in wicked and heavenly places. Wicked powers. But I want you to know that Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the enemy. And I want to share this with you real quick. Not to get too distracted from the purpose. This is a dramatic pause. Just hold on. I ask that when I was, I am present... I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some. With regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. This is Paul saying it to the Corinthians. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. 
We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. And the reason I shared that scripture with you is because this fortress can be destroyed. And Christ appeared to destroy this. And so if the worship team would come this morning, and they're going to lead us this morning in a song called Surrender. And I want to encourage you this morning. You see, only you know, and I'm thankful for you, is only you know where your heart is. It's just like I only know where my heart is. But if the Lord is speaking something to you this morning, I want to ask you to take it to Him. I want to ask you to surrender it to Him because He wants to take your burdens. He he wants to take your sin and He wants to take your guilt and He wants to lift that off of you where you can be free. And I, I didn't get into this part of the Scripture, but it says the seed is in you. And that is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And you see, you've heard me say this again uh, before and I have such confidence in it. That as a child of God, the evil one cannot touch me. He can mess with me because he does it all the time. But he can do nothing to me. And I also know that when I sin, I have a seed within me that will say, Jeremy, You're sinning. You need to go to the Father. I want you to have that same confidence. If you don't, I want you to ask for it this morning. Okay, let's stand together. The elders would come. We do what we call a time of response time. And we want to pray with you. If you feel so inclined to come forward and to be prayed for, and I want to encourage you is... When you take those steps of faith, it means something. And I don't know what it does in the spiritual realm, but it does something. And so I want to encourage you, if you feel so inclined to come forward, if not, you are free to stay at your seat and just ask the Lord to help you and search your heart. So as we worship this morning, please come for prayer. Of this.